what I get my adrenaline going is, is is to build on what we've had and not to just rest on our laurels and not to say that we figured it all out. Let's let's be really asking questions. Let's be aggressive. Let's make certain that we continue so that we continue to to bring the right, the brightest, the the best to IU and continue to do great things. And it, you know, I feel like you know I've had an incredible opportunity here, but but I, I feel it's one of my biggest jobs to make certain it's ready for the next people to come in and take over and we can build from that. It's not about me. It's about the organization. It's about building a foundation that that someone else then can build on from there, just like somebody did for me. Welcome. You are listening to the Hero of the Hour podcast, the show dedicated to empowering you to take financial freedom into your own hands. Through expert interviews with decades of experience, This show will give you not only the tactical strategies of what's working in business, but the appropriate mindsets to master your financial future and build generational wealth. Heroes and entrepreneurs operate with a similar anything is possible mentality. And that is exactly what our show is about. Your host is none other than Mark B. Murphy, CEO of Northeast Private Client Group and best-selling author of three books, all dedicated to helping others plan for generational wealth. He and his team are on a mission to share their knowledge and techniques so that others can enjoy a life of financial security and freedom. Get ready to be inspired to create the life of your dreams. Let's go. In today's episode of the Hero of the Hour podcast, Mark chats with Scott Dolson, Vice President and Director of Athletics at Indiana University, which we all know is Mark's favorite. During this episode, you'll learn about Scott's core five principles, what it means to be a hero at the university, and my personal favorite, the importance of anti-hate and mental health programs. Thank you so much and enjoy. Welcome, everybody. I'm Mark Murphy, the founder and CEO of Northeast Private Client Group and the author of my third book, uh, The Ultimate Investment. But I'm here with a friend of mine for probably a quarter of a century, somebody who who started when we're when he was in school as the as a manager on the basketball team and has risen through the ranks to become the athletic director at Indiana University. You know, Scott, I would make the argument that uh, I don't know who's more powerful in the state, the uh, the governor, the president of the university or the, or the athletic director. I'm not sure <laughs> which, but the basketball coach, but certainly you know, somebody who, you know, improves the lives of everybody a touch. I'd love people who don't know you just to find out a little bit about, you know, I was, I was like to ask the question, you know, how did you get started? Where are you right now? And where are you going? Because I, I as I've said to you before, I said, along with hiring coach uh, Bob Knight in 1971, I don't think Indiana University made a better hire than, than making you the athletic director. And uh, I just couldn't be happier for you and happier for the university. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me on, Mark. And, and as you know, as you mentioned, we've been close for a long time, probably a quarter century. And and uh, certainly just getting to know you and, and really it's such a big part of my job is is meeting alumni and people who support IU. And you've been incredible for so long, and I appreciate that. And and for me, growing up in northern Indiana is a, is a big IU fan, having the opportunity to come to school here and, and get my degree and, and work for Coach Knight in the basketball program while I was here. Uh, it was certainly an incredible opportunity. And to say that here some 30, some years later, that that now I'm still here and I'm the athletic director is kind of a, 
a dream come true, you could say. I never really thought this would happen, but I was just able to have the right people around me and people like you that that I've really been inspired by throughout my career that helped me grow and and uh, just thrilled to be where I am today. You know, when I, when I went to Indiana, it was a Midwestern school. My opinion now is it's become not only an international school, but it is a, a heavily East Coast school where there's a lot of people from New York and New Jersey and the East Coast coming because of the incredible academics and environment we have at Indiana. I played high school basketball, obviously not good enough. You know, Isaiah Thomas had my position, you know, in college. It was a decent high school basketball player. But talk about somebody who's, you know, a lot of, could be a high school basketball player. Tell me about your experience. How did you become a manager? Because that was like like the beginning for you. I mean, it's sort of like from almost from like the mailroom to the CEO. You're, you know, that's that's how you, how you start. I mean, how, how did you get involved in that? How did you decide to become a manager? And what was that experience like working with Coach Knight? You know, I was very, very fortunate because, you know, I grew up like you playing basketball and I wanted to play. But I, but again, just wasn't wasn't good enough to play at this level. But just so happens that my best friend in high school, uh, a guy named Delray Brooks, ended up being the number one player in the country. And he and I were like brothers and he decided to come to school. here. I was coming to school at Indiana regardless. But when he came on his visit with Coach Knight, he committed to play here and he called me and he said, hey, uh, Steve Alford, who was another player on the team, an older player, his roommate was a manager. And he said, you love basketball, I love IU more than anybody I know. Uh, you should think about becoming a manager because we can room together. I'm coming to IU. And and that's where it all started. Without him, I would have never even thought about it, to be honest with you. And the manager program, even to this day, is a is an incredible opportunity where you you learn so much. You learn how to work, You know how to budget your time. It's really a a uh, full-time job in addition to going to school and and just the for me to be around coach Knight and to see perfection in how he was the best at what he did and to learn so much from him was just an opportunity of a lifetime and I, and I honestly this is not a, this is a you know a fact I rely on that experience and things I learned during that time uh, you know every day in my job now I really I really look back at that experience as just a, a ch- an opportunity of a lifetime you know, one of the things that you talk about core principles or core values that you have, and I just want to put my glasses on so I can read it and don't get it wrong, but mm-hmm. I know your predecessor and you live by five core principles. Mm-hmm. And and I just want to read them because I think they're so imperative. Number one is playing by the rules. Number two is being well in mind, body, and spirit. Number three, achieving academically. Number four, excelling athletically. And five, integrating with the university. Those sound like five pretty good core principles. I mean, they, they're these are life principles. Every single person who's watching this podcast could live by those rules. T- tell me what those mean to you. Yeah, what those mean is that's our foundation. You know, that's that keeps us in balance. And everything we do revolves around those five core principles. And particularly in, in this day and age around college athletics, when there's a lot of, of change, a lot of transformation happening. And it's really imperative that we keep to our hold to our values, understand what our foundation is, and then and then certainly adapt as as the world around us changes. And you know, I give my predecessors, you said Fred Glass, credit. Uh, you know, I was his deputy AD, and when he came on board, you know, that's one of the things we want to do is really establish who we are. And really going back to what we talked about earlier, when I was a basketball manager for Coach Knight. That's really what he stood for in the program under him. And then therefore other successful programs, whether it's soccer under Jerry Yegley or football under Bill Mallory, 
And so for us to codify that, put that down as really our foundation, I think is really important. And to continue to use that as our foundation and and, and grow from there. That's, you know, did you, you know, one of the things, one of the things we've never talked about is, so you start as a student, you start as a manager, and then, you know, you work, 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 work. And the next thing you're the AD. Mm -hmm. When did you go, you know, I think I could be the athletic director and I could be successful at that. And this is something I want. Like, when did you go, well, that could be a real possibility or, you know, we never talked about when you you envisioned that that's a possibility. Well, I'll say this. It's a really good question. I'm not sure that I really, there was one moment when it popped in my head, but I do know this. When, when I was a basketball manager, my senior year, as a senior, you become the 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 head manager. You, you, you're in charge of, right. you know, there's 12 or 13 managers below you. And my senior year, I was really, there was another manager who was senior with me, but he was kind of off and on. So I, when I became the senior manager and I was able to have a vision for how managers, how we should change the program and, and to really delegate and to, to manage and motivate uh, people, it really hit me that I, I really enjoy that. I love helping other people do their jobs. I help identifying talent and growing that. And I remember a distinct feeling as I was doing that, that that's something that 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 I just liked. And I and then I started really, I watched Coach Knight, I watched other leaders. And I really, as then I, I grew in my career, I was really, I had a passion to really just watch people in meetings to observe and say, that person's really well respected and, and does a great job of speaking in meetings. What do they do? What, how can I adapt my style to what they do? And so I've always, I'm not a big voracious reader, although I've read some great leadership books. I'm really picky on what I like. I'm, I want to read yours, Mark. I'm sure yours is really, really good. But it's really important to me, and it was in my career, to really grow as a leader, to understand what makes people effective leaders. And then and then as I would grow in the department, and generally in this business, you have to move around to grow, to go to school to school. I was very unique in that. Every time I thought about leaving IU, something would happen, just very fortunate that I would gain more responsibility or able to continue to grow here. And, and then certainly at some point, uh, you know, I, I thought if, if I had an opportunity to ever lead this department as athletic director, it would really be something that I, I feel I could really uh, do a good job and, and and really challenge myself to figure out how I can help IU become the best it can be. That's, you know, I just think regardless of what your vocation is or your career path, I think that, you know, sort of that discovery, it's sort of like, you know, the be do have, you know, I'm going to be that person, I'm do the work that that person does, and then I'll have the title and the rewards and the responsibility down the road. And I think, you know, so many people are not conscious of it. They just think that they're going to get discovered or it'll just happen accidentally. The And I think the the fact to have at least some 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 kind of plan or some intentionality around it is is great. You know, one of the things I would just say to the people who are watching this is of all the podcasts I've done, I'm in the tank for Indiana University because I, I want to tell everybody one, one is uh, Bloomington, Indiana and Indiana University is, is my happy place. And uh, the the thing that that I I love so much about Indiana, you know, you can talk about how highly rated the schools are, you know, in terms of uh, the music conservatory, the Kelly Business School is as fine a business school in the country, and I'm leaving out a number of other great schools that are there. But uh, the thing that makes it feel so good to be part of Indiana University is I've never been around a place where not only being successful is important, but doing it the right way is important. You know, that, you know, I, I would tell any parent or grandparent that's going to send their kid there, not only are they going to leave with a great education, not only are they going to be open to experiences of all shapes and sizes that they couldn't get at any other university, but it's safe. 
uh, the people are kind, the people are nice. It's it's a it's almost like a a, a throwback to a time of it, it's almost like uh, you know watching a uh, an idealized version of the world. And I think with you know so much tumult in the world, so much unkindness, so much uh, uncertainty in the world. To me, Indiana University is just a slice of Americana that I don't think exists anywhere else. Well, I'd love to hear you say that, Mark, and you, and you personify that because if you know a lot of times. Because in in my business, because I'm around young people all the time, people ask, you know, what is, what's the key to success, or how do I grow in in my career? And you would be a perfect example of that. And this, what I've tried to emulate is is it's it's not you don't overcomplicate it. A lot of it comes from just working really really hard. And there's not there's not been anyone I've ever met, to be honest with you, that has worked works any harder than you do. And over our 25 years, I've watched you work and you multitask and you. You, you, you do what you say and you say what you're going to do. And, and, uh, and, and when, when you work hard and you treat people well, I, I do think those are the key ingredients to anybody being successful. And, and, you know, being, I talk about it in the department a lot, you know, we have over 300 employees and, and, and lots of different roles and, and how all of them feel a part of the team. And I think if you work really hard, you're really good to people and you're a team player I think you can be successful. I really believe that in whatever path you choose. And and again, you're a perfect example. And I hope that in my career, you know, I'm not, I would never say I'm the, I've got some special sauce from the smartest person in the room, or I've got some secret skill set that is, is enabled me to be where I am today. I just think I'm sort of a normal person who just was around great people like coach Knight, who I observed, who figured it out that if you really, really work hard and you, you make things happen, and you're good to people, and you're a team player, you can do a lot of great things in, in your career and in, in, in your life. You know, I, I am convinced, because we already see the movement in place, I'm convinced that as you move even more into your tenure, the following things are going to happen. Number one, our basketball program will be back right at the top with all the blue bloods and take our rightful place at the very top of the college basketball world. We're going to be in the top half of the Big Ten Argue, along with the SEC, the toughest conferences in America for football. I'm going to see our women's programs be as strong as any programs in the country. And just look at our basketball team right now, and I, I want you to share some of the other things you're doing there. But what I really think is that you're going to make Indiana University continue to be a destination place. It's going to be great for the state. It's going to improve all of our academic programs because people are going to be, a, there, there's something special going on here. And there's something special going on here. And the thing that I've heard naysayers say to you is, Scott, you're doing all these things. We already see it happen. And you're doing it the right way. People say, oh, well, you can't do things the right way. You got to cut corners. You got to cheat. You got to do unethical things to make all those things come true. They, you can't do that, Scott. How the heck are you doing it, Scott? And can you do it without cutting corners and doing some things that other people do? Yeah, I believe you can. And and I appreciate what you're saying, because that's that is our you know, we're a very mission oriented department, a mission oriented university to really define success, what success looks like. And then and then just work like heck and work smart to get to, to make certain that happens. And as a department, whether it's with our basketball program specifically or whether it's department as a whole for all of our student athletes, you know, we know what success looks like and we're going to put together a really good plan. Uh, adapt as the days and weeks unfold and things change, but certainly know exactly where we're headed and, and how we're going to get there. And I think if you keep it simple, uh, people like people want to be on a team and understand what success looks like. And, and that's really, and I give President Witten 
who's just a year and a half into her tenure here. She's been a great addition. Uh, you've met her, Mark. You know, yeah, she's really, she's really terrific. And, and I'm, I'm proud to be a part of her team. She's the same type of leader, mission, uh, hard work oriented, uh, not entitled at all. Uh, and let's make certain we're good to people. And, and we make a difference in young people's lives. And, and at the end of the day, certainly, you know, we all want to win. That's why we compete, right? You know, we're, we're, we're competing and we're very competitive. We want to win and we want our alumni to feel good about that, our student athletes. But we want to win in all facets. And, and as you say, with our priorities, you know, obtaining our degree, you know, developing personally, you know, maximizing every opportunity is really important. We, we want our student athletes when they leave to feel like, wow, I couldn't have had a better experience. And the people were just really great. And therefore, they want to come back and they want to continue this, this tradition that we have here of really having a, a, an unbelievable university and a great athletic department. I believe, I think along, we're either first or second with the University of Texas is having the most number of alumni mm-hmm. in the country. Mm-hmm. But I know the rules have changed. The, the landscape has changed with this NIL money. And for people mm-hmm. who don't know that, is there was a court case that allowed uh, athletes to be paid for the first time for their name, image, and likeness. It's kind of changed the landscape. Talk, talk a little bit about that. And then talk about if somebody who loves this university, loves this state, and loves to just be part of something that's special, being something that is that that is so uh, so wonderful, like Indiana University wanted to get involved. How do they help the university and help you as well? I'd love to know those two things. Sure. What 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 it did, the name, image, and likeness, the opening up of that opportunity for student athletes really created uh, the ability for our student athletes to be treated just like other students on campus. So other students used to be able to be entrepreneurial. They could they could have their own uh, camp or clinic, or they could they could uh, generate revenue for themselves through their name, image, and likeness. Student athletes used to be excluded. Now those walls have come down and they can certainly do that. And we felt like just like anything else we do with our student athletes, whether it's academic achievement or athletic achievement, that we want to maximize that opportunity for our student athletes. So we do a lot of educating uh, of our student athletes. We talk to them about their brand. How can they maximize this opportunity to generate revenue, particularly while they're their name is hot while they're participating, whatever sport it is, at a high level. And at the same time, we've worked with our alumni, and you certainly have been a big help in this area as well, Mark, to, to make certain that they understand there's ways that they can help us support our NIL efforts with our student-athletes, all legally through the NCAA rules, to generate opportunities so that our student-athletes can maximize that, just like they are academically and athletically. So we've done a lot of really, uh, I think, innovative things. I think we've been on the cutting edge. Uh, it, at times, I think other schools were thinking, well, you know, I'm not sure I agree with it or or, or sort of waiting uh, to see how things go. And we were really aggressive setting up uh, all of the aspects of NIL so that we're really, really good at it, like we are at other things in, in, in the university. So alumni that want to support their ways that they can uh, either hire our student athletes, if they have a business, they can make contributions towards what we call the NIL collectives that, that certainly generate revenue then and put our student athletes in a position to utilize their name, image, and likeness, to benefit charities. And so there's lots of ways to do that. And and, uh, and I'm really proud of our efforts in that area. And I'm proud of our student athletes that have really jumped in with both feet and been entrepreneurial and maximized that opportunity. Have you noticed that life is getting more and more expensive? From grocery prices to real estate values, everywhere you turn, prices seem to be skyrocketing. Well, Mark has dedicated decades of his career and life to serving entrepreneurs and professionals to build real wealth, and in most cases, multi-generational wealth. 
The reality is, we all have to navigate turbulent times in this economy. But the difference will be for those that have a roadmap and a customized plan for building wealth. That's why, as a listener to this podcast, we are so excited to share with you first access to Mark's newest book, The Ultimate Investment, a roadmap to grow your business and build multi-generational wealth. When you access this book, you'll discover how to know when you're working a job instead of a business. That hard work isn't all about hours put in. This will make you more productive. Why you need to live with your back against a wall. How to surround yourself with the right people who support your vision. And so much more. Go to www.markbmurphy.com forward slash book to get access now. Once again, go to www.markbmurphy.com forward slash book. And now, back to the show. I was reading a book and I've befriended uh, a, for, a, a fellow uh, uh, Hoosier alumni who wrote a book and he talked about that. I, and I'm, I may be off by a percent or two, but he said in this world, about 64% of the people stand in. They just stand in or bystanders in life. He said there's about 35% of the people that stand out, but there's about 1% of the people in America that actually elevate others with the work they do. They elevate and try to elevate and lift other other people up. And I've just said, you know, that there are so many people that love this state, love this university, want to be part of something special. You know, people say give till I've heard the expression it says, give till it hurts. I, I always say if it hurts, that means you're not giving enough. Give till it feels good. Right. And I think that, you know, that that I think so many people don't even realize that that one person can move the needle. One person can inspire other people to move the needle. So many people have had, I don't know one person for the last 40 some odd years from generation after generation that has not had an, an amazing experience at Indiana University. Nobody goes to Indiana and says, boy, that was a terrible experience. Nobody, I, there's nobody says that. And so the idea to get those people involved and to get make sure that they have the, the pride in the university that you and I both have. And I would love to see nothing, you know, nothing more than to just have, you know, nothing more than just have a force of people that, that just want to change for, for the better because we're doing it the right way. You know, and and doing it the right way means. You know, I always say there's an expression that I've heard from a gentleman called Leo Futi. It says there's there's no right way to do the wrong thing, mm -hmm. and uh, you know, I think we I think we do the right thing every single time, which makes me feel so proud. I'm glad to hear you say that, Mark, because I I've heard that same thing. I've heard someone say there's never a right time to do the wrong thing, or another never a wrong time to do the right thing, and and that's what we try to do. And and again, with this name, image, and likeness, it's no different than academic support. You know, we want to make certain we're doing everything we can to maximize that opportunity for our student athletes. And 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 then ultimately, because one of the things that sometimes is I talk to different alumni, you know, where does athletics fit in the university? And, and, you know, the way we look at it is athletics can really rise the entire university up. It's that front porch or the, the picture window that everybody comes to and then looks into the to the rest of the amazing university. And it, when you say doing things the right way and coming upon us and me that we do things right that reflect the entire university in such a positive way that we can attract more alumni, attract future students to the university to continue to grow and to, to just make special things happen here at IU. So we have a huge responsibility beyond just trying to win games. It's really elevating the entire university. And, and I love that part of it, to be honest with you. Yeah, I, I just say there's no decision or thing that, that acts in a vacuum, meaning the more successful 
we are on the playing field, the more valuable my degree at Kelly becomes. Right. You know, right. The, 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 the better opportunity. I mean, I, I'm, uh, I, I know with the business placement office there, and I know both with athletes and with students, I don't think there's a better university in the country to go to school at. If you're looking to get a job with a, with a top company when you graduate, it seems like uh, it, it seems like employers flock to this university because of the, not only the education, but the values that we espouse. You know, they know they're going to get good people. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, Mark. And, and you're again, you personify everything that that we want in IU. I mean, just what you've done, and not only your your career path and leaving IU and what you've done with it, but how you've come back and how you have that energy. And and now your kids come to school here, and and you're just elevating the entire university and keeping it growing. And that's what what I get my adrenaline going is 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 to build on what we've had and not to just rest on our laurels and not to say that. That that we figured it all out. Let's let's be really asking questions. Let's be aggressive. Let's make certain that we continue so that we continue to to bring the right, the brightest, the the best to IU and continue to do great things. And it that's you know I'm a you know I feel like you know I've had an incredible opportunity here, but but I, I feel it's one of my biggest jobs to make certain it's it's ready for the next people to come in and take over, and we can build from that. It's not about me. It's about the organization. It's about building a foundation that that someone else then can build on from there, just like somebody did for me. You know, I call this a podcast, the hero, hero of the hour podcast. And I, I bring on people that are either personal heroes to me or heroes to other people. When you hear the word hero, what is, what does that mean to you? And, and, and who are some of your heroes? Yeah, that's a great question. Cause when I think of hero, what it means to be is, is someone that you really, really admire. You look up to you, you, they, they've done something or the way they, uh, they are that you really, really admire. And for me, when I think about the word hero, for me personally, you know, it's changed as I've gotten older. You know, when you're young, or at least me, when I was young, my heroes, you know, were IU basketball players. It's funny. And, and here, it's 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 so funny how life works. You know, when I was nine years old, IU won the national championship in 1976, undefeated season in basketball. And Quinn Buckner and Scott May were the, the captains of that team. And those were my, I mean, I idolized them. My name was Scott. My friends would call me Scott May because they knew I loved IU so much. And I just, just those guys were my heroes. And, and, and now today, Quinn Buckner is the chair of the IU Board of Trustees and is my ultimate boss uh, above the president. And, and I meet with Quinn Buckner regularly on big issues with, with, with IU. And so that was what, at a young age, what a hero was to me was someone that just, I thought, achieved some amazing things. And But as I get older... I think, you know, I've changed a little bit. Those are still heroes to me, but you get different perspective. You know, my wife uh, survived cancer twice and and I was with her through her unbelievable surgeries, you know, a 12 hour surgery and different. And, and you look at people who endure and, and have they're brave and they uh, have an unbelievable conviction. And that's what, you know, my wife would be someone who I would look at as a hero to me that you know, as a youngster, you wouldn't really fathom maybe how you look at things differently that way. But she's a hero because I, you know, I was just there and I just saw everything that she went through. And you think, could I ever, you know, what what if I were in her shoes? How could I, could I do that? And so, you know, I look at things different. I look at my dad as more of a hero than I did when I was younger. My dad's 80, will turn 80 February 14th, actually. And he still works full time. He's an independent insurance agent and works his tail off. That's what his, that's what he does. And he's good to people. And so, you know, for me, I think 
that's what I've tried to live up to. And that's sort of my hero. And, and that's what I hope in, in my career, whether it's with, or, or my life with my kids, with my wife, with people I work with is you want them to look at you and respect you. And you hope that you've kind of laid out a, the way you do things, the, the example you set is something that they respect and that, that, that hopefully they would try to emulate someday. You, know, you and Heidi have five kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have five kids, Lisa and I. Mm-hmm. How do you uh, how do you raise five kids? Give them enough attention, lead a lead a university, and have some personal time for yourself. How, how, how do you get how do you, how do you get health, wealth, meaning, and and love in your life at the same time? You know, it's great, and I give Heidi so much credit because I'm not a great, you know, candidly balance is hard for me. It's hard because I I'm a hard charger. You know, I work and I and I and I finish the job, and I come from a family of kind of what we do. Uh, but Heidi's been great at making certain that I understand balance and, and try to make certain that I can unplug. But even knowing that, what we've done with all five kids is is I've talked to them a lot about work. So they do understand that, and particularly as they were growing up, if I'm preoccupied or I've got to jump into a call, you know, I, I don't divulge ultimate uh, secrets or put them in a tough spot, but I make certain they know what's going on. And I think that engagement that they understand, they're in it with me, really helped not only them understand why I had to work like I do or have to work how I do, but the, but also that they're engaged with me in it and they feel it. And I think it's brought us, you know, I've used that balance in the, in those sometimes get out of balance as a way to bring us closer together. And and uh, I, I couldn't tell you how much support I have from the five kids and, and from Heidi because, you know, they live it and breathe it with me and, and they know how I am and and, uh, and, and they, they support me a thousand percent. The thing that always comes, and I, I think this is a, you know, I always say I'm a New Yorker with Midwestern sensibilities. Mm-hmm. I'm much more comfortable in the Midwest, although I love, I love living in Manhattan when I did. I love living on the East Coast. But I always say I'm in Midwestern with sensibility. One of the things that I so enjoy about our relationship and I enjoy about Indiana is you've obviously got somebody who's as accomplished and successful as you, as powerful as you, but it always reeks humility. You always you you always come from a place of both of being both humble and confident at the same time. And it's so refreshing. How do you keep the humility around you as, as you had more success? Yeah, I really appreciate that. I appreciate you saying that because it's it's really, you know, how I, I feel. I feel that, and I've always felt this way, that I'm no better than anyone else. You know, I'm it, it just try to work hard and, and be good to people, like I've said a lot during this conversation. Uh, but at the same time, I feel like no one else is better than me. You know, at, at a young age, being around successful people, you know, particularly being around Coach Knight, around the basketball program, you know, one of the things that I I, I really saw clearly was that they're just people and they're just there's because again when you're really young sometimes you think people are just this extraordinary gifted and there's talented people don't get me wrong but we're just all the same and I think that you have to keep yourself in check and, and as I've grown in the department you know it makes me almost more conscientious of as I was growing up I was always appreciative of of leaders who took the time to say hello, that took the time to recognize everybody and and didn't I felt like they were one of the people and and that's how I've always just been. So, you know, I I it, it's I don't consciously think about it every day, but it's just something that I think is is innate in me that, you know, I just I just think you work hard and you're good to people and and that you're not any better than anybody else, but you're certainly not any worse. So if I'm in a room with a bunch of CEOs or people that are really, really successful, I feel like I belong, but it's not because of 
maybe lifting me up, but it's almost saying they're no different than I am. And it's no different than if I'm around anybody else. We're just all the same and just treat people right. And people have different gifts. Yeah, the slam I used to use when I find someone has a little bit of hubris or arrogance, I always say, you know, he looks in the mirror every day and loves what he sees. You know, so that's it. So that's the that's the opposite of that's the opposite of who uh, of who of who you are and uh, hopefully who who I am. Right. Uh, but but I was gonna I was gonna say the other thing is I, I know of a couple of ways where you've disrupted athletics. I, I know you've been on the cutting edge of mental awareness and mental health going through the pandemic and everything for athletes. I know you've been involved with some a lot of anti hate mm -hmm. uh, programs. Tell us a little about those programs and what might not I know. Or might not would would people are watching this know about things you're working on and you've done to to make the world a better place and India yeah. a better place? Yeah, what's what's really what was what it is and has been important to me is that sometimes I think initiatives or or programs become more of something you put on your website that looks good or sounds good, but it, is there really any depth to it? And I'm big into the authenticity of what we do, and and I felt you know mental health. You know, this isn't me being, uh, it's not a revelation, but if you pay attention to anything uh, with young people today, their mental health is has become more and more of an issue. It's become more and more something that needs to be attended to. And so right away when I took over as athletic director, we created a mental health task force and we've really put a ton of effort internally into making certain that we are on the cutting edge of mental health initiatives. And, and that's not just providing resources from a mental health standpoint, but it's training, which I think is the most important aspect of this, so that anyone who's as a student-facing position, that they've got the training so they can identify and be able to see if, if someone is, is, is maybe reaching out or needs some help or to really make certain it's on the forefront of our minds so that hopefully we can get in front of, of any situations that happen. And, and again... It's great to say it, but the big thing for me is that we do it and it's authentic. And, and it's the same thing with our diversity, equity, and inclusivity efforts is that particularly after the, the George Floyd uh, unfortunate uh, occurrence that, that it became sort of the thing to talk about. And, and, and again, it, it was talked about everywhere. But for us, you know, I, I said to our students when we came together and we talked about it, I said, you know, this is a marathon, not a 50-yard dash. And our efforts in this area whether it's hiring more diverse candidates for jobs or whether it's creating opportunities for our students to have a voice and talk about uh, their experiences from a diversity, equity, inclusivity standpoint. Those are all things that are authentic that we do and we regularly work on and it's it's real and we've got real information and real exchange. And I think I think kids particularly pick up on whether you're just doing it to do it or you really mean it. And for us in our department, those are initiatives that are, are really are important. You know, the final thing I'll say is we've got a women's excellence initiative. You know, it's the 50th anniversary of Title IX. And one of the things that was important to me is that, again, let's just not talk about it, but what can we do to enhance all of our women's student athlete experiences and improve the performance of our teams? And, and so that's been an exciting initiative as well, because again, you know, we talk about it, we tout it because it's important that people understand where our values are, but it's more important to me what we're doing internally to authentically make big things happen and in effect change. And so I'm really proud of our whole department and how we've embraced those initiatives. Well, that's, uh, you know, the other thing too is I think everybody, you know, who's even a casual observer of college athletics knows that Indiana is one of the blue blood basketball programs that I believe we play in the cathedral of college basketball at assembly hall. Uh, and there's no better environment in the country or certainly nothing better than, than us when we are 
uh, ready for a big game. Tell people some of the, the the other accomplishments. I mean, people, I don't think see the success we've had in soccer or we've had in women's basketball. Or some of the t- tell uh, just just give us a, sort of the well, give us an overview of of for a casual person about what about about, about the success that we've had. I mean, uh, we've had as you know across all the sports. Yeah, I would say if someone doesn't knows college athletics but doesn't know specific things about Indiana University, I'd say we we've been very fortunate that we've had a history. Of a, of a core of unbelievably successful coaches that have sort of were the springboard for IA athletics to just become a, a national brand. And, and, and really they were in swimming with a coach named Doc Councilman, who is the, 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 really the founder of all the modern swimming techniques and was just an unbelievable and won national championship after national championship in swimming. We had Jerry Yegley in soccer, all time winningest coach in the history of college soccer, who Again, our soccer programs just the, the the stats are unbelievable. What we've done from a championship standpoint, we had Bob Knight in basketball, who at one point was the all time winningest coach, and then Mike Shashevsky, who was his player at Army, uh, supplanted that. But again, just an iconic coach, and and I could go on and on. But we had these iconic coaches that established that tradition of how we do things here, how we recruit, how we develop our talent, how we compete. And what we've been able to do is, and what I'm really proud of right now, because it's a perfect example of on the women's side with women's basketball, that Coach Terry Morin now is really on the cusp of creating a program, which now we're, you know, we've been top 10 in the country the last three years. And to really establish, we're trying to do is build programs, Mark, not just a great team that is sort of a flash in the pan. And that's what I think one of my big, not I think, I know one of my big jobs is to make certain across the board that we're developing programs and that then we attract the right student athletes and can really use the swimming, soccer, men's basketball, our historic greatness to really build off that and uh, for our other sports. So that, but that's what I'd say we'd really be known for, you know, swimming, soccer, men's basketball. But there's so many other stories out there where our programs are really growing, great track success. And, and uh, if field hockey is a sport, no one would ever really – think associate right now with Indiana University, but I think our field hockey program at some point is going to be one of the best in the country. And I can just feel that build happening. There are so many wonderful things happening and I love that we're doing it the right way. I want to thank you for uh, taking the time. I know you've got a flight to catch coming to watch, uh, watch the basketball team play tonight. But uh, I got to tell you, I, uh, you know, my life has been richer because of Indiana University. I grew up dumb and broke and suffer New York and, uh, all I can tell you is that I couldn't find a better place to go to school, and it was uh, it, it was the right place for me. It's been the right place for two of our kids so far, and uh, maybe more. And uh, I would love to talk to people about Indiana University and Indiana basketball anytime because it it is such a magical, special place. There is a there is, this is a wonderful, wonderful place, and I'm just fortunate that Indiana is smart enough to hire somebody like you. Well, it means so much. And, and uh, you know, I can't thank you enough for have, having me on, Mark, and just, you know, more importantly, for your unbelievable friendship. And as I said earlier, I mean this, you personify everything we want out of our alumni at IU, and, and you've continued to make IU look good, not just in the success of your career, but how you treat people and, and your passion for helping others. And, and it just means a lot. So uh, all the best to you, and can't wait to see you and Lisa and, and the kids again at a game soon, and, and just know how much we appreciate your friendship. Hey, thanks, Scott. Thank you. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed the episode today on the Hero of the Hour podcast. Make sure to hit subscribe on whichever platform you are listening to this on. 
If this episode made you think of someone, go ahead, take a screenshot and share the podcast episode with them. You can catch the show notes for this episode and more at www.markbmurphy.com forward slash podcast. Be sure to check out the other great books and resources on the website while you're there. Once again, it's www.markbmurphy.com forward slash podcast. All links can be found in the description below. We look forward to serving you on the next episode. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Guest speakers and their firms are not affiliated with or endorsed by PAS or Guardian, and opinions stated are their own. Registered Representative and Financial Advisor of Park Avenue Securities, LLC, PAS. OSJ, 200 Broad Hollow Road, Suite 405, Melville, New York, 11747, 631-589-5400. Securities products and advisory services offered through PAS, member FINRA, SIPC. Financial representative of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian, New York, New York. PAS is a wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. Northeast Private Client Group is not an affiliate or subsidiary of PAS or Guardian. California Insurance License Number 0B36048. Arkansas Insurance License Number 741545. Expiration and submission numbers located in the show notes.